e-book. Robin Hood, being a complete history of all the notable may exploits performed by him in men on many occasions. 1822. Robin Hood, the reign of King Richard I, was very different from the times we live in, now live in. The roads are very bad and all beset with robbers. There was a great number of large forests and parks in the country well stocked with deer. At the time lived the famous Robin Hood. He was born in the village Loxley in Northern Nottinghamshire. His father was very skilful in the use of the crossbow. His mother had a brother named Gamwell, Gamwell, Great Gamwell Hall near Maxwell, the same county, but a distance of 20 miles from the house of Robin Hood's father. When Robin Hood was about 13 years old, his mother said one day to his father, Let Robin and me ride this morning to Gamwell Hall to taste my brother's good cheer. Her husband answered, Do so, my dear. Let Robin Hood take my grey horse and best bridle and saddle, and the sun is rising. So pray and make haste, for tomorrow will be Christmas Day. The good wife then made more, no more ado, but put on a holiday petticoat and gown, which were green. Robin got his basket's hilt, sword, and dagger, and his new suit of clothing, clothes, and so rode with his mother behind him till he went till he came to Gramwell, Gamewell Hall. Squire Gamewell made him welcome twenty minutes, twenty times, and the next day six tables were set out in the hall for dinner. When the company was come. The squire said to them, You're all welcome, but not a man here shall taste my ale to his son a Christmas carol. And they all clapped their hands and shouted and sang to a hell and the parlour rang again. After dinner, the chaplain said grace. The squire once again bid his friend be merry. It snows, it blows out of the door, said he. And now we are snug here. Let us have more ale and lay more logs upon the fire. He then called for little John, for, said he, little John's fine lad of go- uh, gobbles, all sorts of tricks. I do your heart good to see him. When little John came, he indeed was clever, as squire said. And Robin Hood got up and played all the very same tricks, and better still. The squire was quite glad to see this. He said, Cousin Robin, you'll go no more home, but stay, just stay and live with me. You shall... Have my estate when I die. Until then, you shall be the comfort of my age. Robin agreed to this. His uncle would give him little John to be his servant. One day when Robin Hood was gone to spend a week with father and mother, Squire Gamewell was taken ill. In those days, the people of the country were of the Roman Catholic religion. There's a convert, a priest near Coverwell, Gamewell Hall, called Fountain Abbey. And Squire went sent for one of the priests or monks to come and read prayers by his bedside. Vanilobi was a very fine building, a large mansion in the centre, a kind of capable wing on the right side, but there was no wing on the left, so that building was not complete. The monk who came to Gamble was very sorry about this, and wished very much to have left wing to his abbey, so he made the squire believe that he didn't, could not die like a good man, unless he gave the whole of his estate to Mountain Abbey. The squire was very ill and hardly knew what he did. But he became Robin Hood, and all he had said he would do for him. A sign of paper, a monk brought him to give away his state. As soon as Robin Hood heard 
His uncle was very ill. He made haste home. The squire was dead a quarter of an hour before everyone came. The monks now turned Robin and Hood out of his tool. His father's poor Robin was thus sent to the world to seek his fortune. Robin Hood did not know what to do. Being used to live like a rich man, did not know how to work, for he learned a trade. He got now got together a number of young men, been brought up like himself, and was just as poor, went to live and called a merry life. Not a show of the forest near Nottingham. Here there was plenty of deer, and Robin Hood and his company were very excellent marksmen at shooting them with crossbow. But they wanted something besides meat to eat. They at once turned robbers. Of this no man should, could travel alone with Chauvaris without being stripped of his money. Robin Hood and his company too did not confine such a Chauvaris forest, but something time went to plunder other parts of England. The gain soon grew to be above a hundred in number, and some of the tallest, finest, and boldest men in the kingdom. Robin Hood dressed them in a uniform. He himself always wore scarlet, and each of men wore had a green coat, a pair of breeches, and a cap. Though Robin Hood was the robber, which, is, to be sure, is a very bad thing, he behaved in such a manner as to have the good word and good wishes of almost all the poor people in his parts. He never loved to rob any but people that were very rich and had not the spirit to make good use of their riches. He had lost his estate by the cunning of a popish priest. He had a great dislike for, to the whole set of popish priests at the time behaved in such a manner that hardly anybody liked them. So Robin Hood was not, had no thought the worst of his uses of them. First, when he met with the poor man, he trembles instead of taking anything from him. He gave them money to his, of his own. He never let any woman be robbed or hurt in case of hardship. He always took the part of the weak and the injured against the strong, so that it was truly said that all of the thieves used the gentlest and most generous thief. Robin Hood was found of doing odd and strange things. He loved a joke quite as well as he loved a good booty. One day, as he strolled in the forest by himself, he saw a jolly belcher riding upon a fine mare with panners on each side filled with meat. Good morrow, young good fellow, said Robin. Whither are you going so early? said Robin. I'm a butcher. I'm going to Nottingham Market to sell my market meat. I never learned any trade, said Robin. I think I should like to be a butcher. What shall I give you for your mare and your panners and all that is in them? You're not, they are not dear. Don't do it at four marks, said the vulture. I will not sell them for less. Robin made no words, could cut him the money, and made the butcher give him his blue linen coat, his apron, and exchange for Robin Hood's fine uniform and scarlet. And Robin Hood had dressed himself in this manner. He rode straight to Nottingham. Sheriff of Nottingham was master of the market. Robin Hood hired a stall there. But you may, will, but we may very well suppose that he did not know much about his trade. Indeed, as long he had any meat to sell, no butcher could tell to sell a single joint, but Robin Hood sold more meat for a penny than the others could do for five. To be sure, said they, this is some young firm fellow, sold his father's land, the butcher, and went to Robin Hood. Come, brother, said one of them, we are all in one trade. Will you go and dine with us? I should be a shabby fellow, said Robin. If I were ashamed of my calling, so I will go with you. The sheriff was a tavern keeper, sat at the head of the table. And after dinner, Robin Hood would insist upon paying the bill. Sheriff was cunning old mister. 
Razor, and would he, when he saw how madly Robin Hood behaved, he thought he would not miss such a chance of turning a penny. Good fellow, said the chef, hast thou any haunted beast to sell to me? That I have, good master, sheriff, said Robin Hood. I have a hundred or two, if you would please to go and see them. Sheriff then settled his good periphery and took three hundred pounds in gold and away he went with Robin Hood. Although they led, they took, led them through the forest of Sherwood. And as they long rode along, the captain scarce cried, Good perverse is they for a man they called Robin Hood. But when they came a fit of further, they chanced to come out of the thicket of a hundred good fat deer, skipping very near them. How do you like my haunted beasts, sir, Mr. Sheriff, Sheriff, said Robin Hood? These are the cattle I told you of. To tell you the truth, replied the sheriff, I wish I were away, for I do not like your company. Robin Hood put his bludgeon bugle horn his mouth and blowed three times. And suddenly came out the wood. Little John and Robin Hood's hundred men, clothed in green and running all over in a row. What is your will, master? said Little John. I have brought hither the sheriff for nothing, said Robin Hood. His day is a dying with me. He's welcome, said Little John. I hope he will pay us well for his dinner. Robin Hood, how now made the sheriff sit down under a tree, and after they all eaten and drunk, drunk enough, he opened the sheriff's bag. I told him, I told out of his three hundred pounds. He then seated the sheriff to his poultry again, and led him out to the forest. Remember me kindly to your wife, said Robin Hood, and so went laughing away. As Robin Hood was walking one day in the forest, he took notice of a handsome young man dressed in a very fine clothes, frisking over the plain and singing, a Robin Hood passed and came, so he popped the next morning. He saw this young fellow came drooping along, his fine dress was laid aside, his hair was loose, but his shoulders, every step he sighed, steeply saying, Alas, a world a day. Robin Hood sent one of his company to bring young man to him. What is your distress, said Robin Hood? What hangs so heavily in your heart? Why were you so merry yesterday? And why are you so sad today? The young man now pulled out his purse, Look at this ring, said he. I bought it yesterday. I was to have married a young maiden whom I have courted for seven million years. As long as she's gone to church to be married to another. Do you think she loves you? said Robin Hood. She told me so, said Alan Adele, for that is his name. A hundred times when she's not worth caring about, said Robin Hood, for changing, for changing in her love. She does not love him, replied Alan Adele. Why do you think so? said Robin. Hood is quite crippled, old fellow, said a Robin Hood, and quite unfit for such a young and lovely lass. And why does he marry him, said Robin Hood? Because the old knight is rich, said Alan, and, he, and his father and mother insisted upon it, and scolded and stormed her till she's gentle as a lamb. Where is the wedding to take place, said Robin Hood? At our parish, replied Alan, only five miles from this place, and a bishop to Hereford, who is a knight's brother, is to read the service. Robin Hood said no more, but put on his scarlet suit and dressed himself like a harper, the harp in his hand. He told twenty-four of his company to follow at a little distance, and went along to the church and found the bishop putting on his robes. Do you want, what do you want here, said the bishop. I'm a harper, said Robin Hood. The best in four counties round I heard there was to be a wedding. I've come to offer my services. 
You're welcome, Mr. Bishop. I'm glad to hear your music. Soon after the bishop, the bride and groomman came in. The old knight hobbled along and was hardly able to walk up the altar. After him came a maiden, fair in the day, and blushing like the summer's morning. This is not a fair match, said Robin Hood. I cannot agree that it taken place, but since we have come to the church and bride, shall choose for herself. Then Robin Hood put his horn in his mouth and blew it when straight when straight four and twenty archers were seen leaping around long churchyard path, and came in at the porch, the first man was unendowed to give Robin Hood his blow bow. Robin Hood then turned to the fair maiden and said, Now, my love, you are free. Tell me whom you will have as your, for your husband. Will you have this feeble variety on right, or will you have one of the bold young fellows who see you now before you? Now before you. Alas, said the young maid, and dropped her eyes on the ground as she spoke. Young Amadou has courted me for seven long years, and is the man I would choose. Then, said Robin Hood, you and Alan should be married before we leave this place. That should not be, said the bishop. The law of the Lamb cries, it could be three times asked in the church. Marriage cannot be huddled by up by this way. Well, when it, what, that we will try, said Robin Hood. He then pulled the bishop's ground and put him under... It upon little John. Indeed, said Robin Hood. You make a great parson. Late when little John took his took the book in his hand, the people began to laugh. He asked him seven times in the church. These three times should not not enough. Robin Hood gave away the maiden. The bishop sunk out of the church. His brother, the old knight, not hold as well as he could. Whole company at dinner upon two bucks at Sherwood Forest, and from this day, Allendale was a friend of Robin Hood, as long as he lived. And all the time of Robin Hood, the bishops were under the orders of Pope of Rome, the great officers, and even soldiers. Robin Hood lived to see the Bishop Hereford. Now Robin, in great dislike of the Popish cleric, because one of them had cheated him of his state, the Bishop Hereford had quite as much like dislike to Robin because the trick Robin had played on him and married Joan and became because he did not think it right that such a robber should live in this his, in his sea. The Bishop therefore made several journeys in the forest of Sherwood to take Robin prisoner and bring him to the gallows. One time when Robin was walking along in the forest of Sherwood, he heard a trampling horses. Looking round, he saw his old enemy, his Bishop of Hereford. With six servants, the servant bishop was very, very, was very near Robin Hood before Robin Hood looked around and saw him. They had nothing to trust but the swiftest heels to save him from danger. As Robin ran along, he chanced to come out of the cottage where no woman lived by herself. As he rushed in and begged her to save his life, Who are you? said the old man. And that, what can I do for you? I'm the outlaw, replied. My name is Robin Hood. And yonder the bishop Hereford, with all these men who want wants to bring him to the gallows. If thou be Robin Hood, said the old one, as I think thou art, I should be soon lose my own life, as as not all my power to save thee. Many a time have little John and thou done me a kindness, have brought me venison. Long longer not long ago than last Saturday night, thou gave me a pair of new shoes and this green crittle. Then said Robin Hood, Give me thy green crittle. And I close up the cap and put him into my hands for thy thy stuff and spindle. And do thou take my scarlet mantle, my quiver and my bow. As soon as they had made a change, Robin Hood left the house, went to the place where his company were full found, 
when he found he looked around him a hundred times for the bishop, who had no thoughts of finding him in his disguise. One of the robbers, who was had a spiteful, spiteful fellow, Robin Hood came near him, cried out, A witch, a witch, I might, I will let fly an arrow uh, Told the, Hold thy hand, said Robin Hood, and shout, shut not any anger so keen, for I am Robin Hood, my sir. Went up to Little John and then said, Come kill a good fat deer for the Bishop of Hereford to dine with me tonight, today. While this was going on, the bishop came to the old woman's house, seeing a man he brought with a gentle scot, a quiver, a bow in his hand. He looked, shook his head and said, I am afraid you are one of Robin Hood's gang. You do not mind me to be hanged yourself. Show me however the traitor is and set him before me. The old woman agreed to this. Go with me, said she to the bishop. I think I can bring you to the man you want. Bishop then mounted her upon a white, milk-white steed and himself rode upon a dapple grey, for joy he could get, could, should get, Robin Hood, he went laughing all the way, but as they were riding along the forest, the bishop saw a hundred brave, brave bowmen drawn up together, a tree, oh, who is yonder, said the bishop, ranging within, within the wood, why, said the old woman, I think it's a man they call Robin Hood, why art thou, why art thou, said the bishop, for I tell thee the truth, I thought, I thought thee that has been Robin Hood himself, Ah, oh, my lord, said she, I am only an old woman. By this time, Robin Hood and his company came up to the bishop. Robin Hood, taking him by the hand, said, My lord, you must dine with us today under my bower in Mary Barnsdale. I cannot feast like you, a bishop, but I can give you your venison, ale, and wine. I hope you will be content. After dinner, Robin Hood made a music to strike up and insist upon the bishop's dancing hall poem. His boots and bishop was forced to submit. The day was now far spent, and the bishop begged leave to go away. You treated me very nobly, said he to the Robin Hood. I suppose I must pay for it. Tell me how much. Lend me your purse, master, said Little John. I settle for, for it for you. He then spread a suspicious book upon the ground and opening his bag, he got five hundred pounds out of it. Now, said Robin Hood, we take Think you of a company and assure you we know how to be light. We all see you part of the way home. Where they led the bishop and his servants quite through the woods till they brought him to the high road when the Robin Hood's gang gave three cheers and told him to remember that though he had become mean to hang them all, they had done him to no harm. One day in the summer time when the leaves grew green, the forest of the flowers were fresh, Gay Robin Hood and his merry men were all in the humour to play. Some would rape, some would run, some shut up at the mark, some wrestled with each other on the green. Robin Hood is haughty and proud, and said, Now, my fellow green fellow, good fellows, do not think there is a man in the world that could wrestle or play the quarter star for me, or kill a doe or bucks as sure as me. While Robin Hood was boasting in his manner, Will Scarlet stepped in out from the rest. Will Scarlet with a little kin to Robin Hood, and thought he was as good as right himself to be captain. Again, besides, he's rather spiteful. You're not going to shoot an arrow at Robin Hood when he saw him dressed like an old woman. If you wish to meet with your match, said Scarlet, I can tell you where you can find him. There is a friar in the mountain, Fountain Abbey, from Fountain Abbey, 
was a covenant that was built with the money of Robin Hood's uncle Godwell. The state has been sold for. Practical Scarlet chose to throw it in, in Robin's teeth for that reason. I had it as soon as you talked to the gallows. Talk to the gallows, said Robin Hood. No matter for that, said Will Scarlet. In a fire moment, found it Abbey. You draw a strong bow against any man in the world. He can handle Quarterstaffs too. He will beat you and all your men set them in a row. Robin Hood was man of brave, bold spirit who could not rest until he had seen his fire. So he slung his bow across his shoulder and took his quarterstaff in hand and away he went to the fountain dale. He then not got far before he saw a tall bony friar walking by the waterside and Robin Hood thought this must be the man the moment he saw him. Robin Hood got off his horse and tried to fall. Carry me over this water, thou baby friar, said he, thou hast not has not an hour longer to live. The fire did not grumble. He stooped and took Robin upon his back. The water was deep and the patches long and not easy, and either of these rivals spoke a willing word that came to the other side. Robin leaped lightly off the luxurious back and seen going away. He stopped, said the friar. Carry me over this water, thou fellow, fellow, or a breathy plain. Robin took the friar upon his back and either of the two spoke a single word, came to the other side. The friar then leaped slightly off Robin's back, while Robin said to him again, Come, o- carry me over the water, thou brownie friar, or it shall ble- you shall breed the pain, by pain. Friar once more took Robin upon his back, but this time he did not carry him over, it, but, for as soon as he got to the middle of the stream, threw him in the water. Now choose, my friendly fellow, said he, whether thou wilt sink or swim, Robin swam to the shore, and then the fire was come up, come to a frying place. Robin said to him, I see by the trial that thou art worthy to be my match, Robin challenged him, investing and shooting at a so-called cross. But Robin could not beat the fire, nor the fire beat Robin any of these. I wish for my soul, said Robin, you should quit this lady's life and come be one of us. We range of virus, miry and free and be happy as days long. I wish for my soul, said the friar, that I wouldn't leave my many ramblings a wicked life and come and live in our convent. That if thefts would bring me to the bad end, but I shall live out our days quiet and disrespected. Robin did not persuade the friar, and the friar could not persuade Robin, so he took hands and parted. Robin Hood knew very well this was way of life was against his laws. Laws and that he was once again, if he were again once caught, he would have go hard with him. He had been in this way for several years, began to wish he could change by the way of living for quite dwelling in his village where he was born, where he had faults of salt. This salt one time, he took many rich prizes he resolved to take. Make a present to the Queen. The queen of the Queen was Eleanor. She was the mother of the King Richard the First, who had a great power of reign, Queen Son's reign. Queen Laurel was very much pleased with Robin Hood's present, and said to herself, I live one more year in the end. I will be a friend of thee and all thy men. Soon after this, King Richard made a grand match in his court for all the bowmen and his guards. His army, Queen Eleanor, thought of it. It's a good time to do. As she had in mind, she called her favourite page, whose name was Richard Partington, gave him his errand. Page set out straight to Robin Sherwood Forest. When he came to Robin Hood, he said, Queen Law greets you well. She 
bids you post to London, where there is to be a match at the crossbow, and she's chosen you and your men to be your, her champions. On the way to this great match, the King's Bowmen were thought the best archers in all England, arranged on one side. As the time the Queen's champions came in, they all ranged on the other side. They were all strangers, and no man in the court knew any of them. King Richard then declared that a prize was that to be bestowed upon the conquerors. The lords of the court began to make bets upon the venture, a bets of were three to one in favour of king's men. Is it no night of privy council, said Queen Eleanor, who will venture his money on my side? Come hither to me, Sir Richard Lee. Thou art a knight of high descent. Sir Richard Lee begged the queen to excuse him for such a trial. Come hither to me, our bishop of Hereford, said Queen Eleanor. Oh, thou art a noble priest. Now this bishop was Robin Hood's old foe. By my civil and my, said the bishop, I will not bet a penny. If thou wilt not bet on the king, queen's side, said Robin Hood, will I not bet on the king's king's side, said the bishop? I will venture all the money in my purse. Throw it thy purse on the frown, said Robin Hood. Let me see what it contains. Hundreds of pounds, Robin Hood took the bag of the same value from his side and threw it from the green. When the match was just going to begin, Queen Love fell upon her knees at her king. A son, a bone, a bone, she said. I wish to ask a bone leave before the trial begins. What is it? said King Richard. Why, replied the Queen, that you will not be angry with any of these that are my party. You shall be free to stay in our court all day for the match and shall then have forty days to retire when they like. Queen agreed to it. The King agreed to this. When the keepers of the course were marking out the distance on which they could shoot at the butt, the captain cried out, like a great big bold boaster as he was, Measure no mark for us. We will shoot at the sun and the moon. But he was taken for Robin Hood his pretty cliff with the arrows very every one that stick and set up and won all the money, said the Prince of Hereford. I knew very well how they all these fellows are. They're Robin Hood and his gang. The king replied, if I had known it, that I would not have granted them the lead and part, but I could not break my word. Saying this, the king Richard ordered a fearful feast for Robin Hood, his own memory, and then set them away with honour. King Richard then thought upon what he had seen of Robin Hood, his fellows. Very fun of archery, he heard of very generous actions, he was told about them. He admired about their gallant spirit and manners, thought he, if I could not make these men my faithful servants, subjects, and a pride they should be to my, would be to my court. The king at last fixed upon a plan by which he might see Robin Hood once more. He called low lords his court and told the plan of them, and he and his lords all dressed themselves like so many monks and rode, he rode to Sherwood Forest, where we saw them at a distance, and who coming resolved to rob them. The king was taller than the rest. Robin Hood judged he was an abbot, he took the king's horse by the bridle and said, Abbot, I bid you stand. It is a priest that first worked my ruin. I have sworn to spare none of these fellows. But we are going to, we're going on a mission from the king, said the king, said Richard. Richard, Robin Hood, and let the brother go. Let go the bridle and said, God save the queen. Confound all these foes. Thou cursest thyself, said Richard. For thou art a robber, an outlaw, and a traitor. They were not his servants, said the father. I should say you lie. I never yet heard a man as honest and true. But only these, those who give their minds to live upon other people's earnings. I never hurt the farmer who tills the ground or protect the women 
and children for the poor, for twenty miles around, are better for me. I will then ask the strangers to dine with him. You will not be used so, said he, we are not the king's servants. Yet for king Richard's sake, if you had a few much money, as I ever told you, I would not deprive you of money. Then Robin Hood put his horn to his mouth, and blew a shrill blast, a hundred and ten of his men. Company came marching all in a row. King thought this is a fine sight. You men for who to obey the captain better. You people did him. After dinner, the king said to Robin, "What would you give, my brave fellow, if I could get your pardon for the king? Would you set your mind firmly and everything to be true and a useful subject? This is the very thing the king Robin wanted. It was a wish he had haunted his thoughts night and day." It was the hope of that he made a rich present to Queen Eleanor, my friend, said Robin. I am tired of the lawless life that I lead. I never loved it. Other men may praise my bold adventures, curious actions. I hate my way of living, everything that belongs to it. King Richard is a noble prince and a gallant soldier. If he would take me into his favour, he should never have reason to repent it, but should find me the most faithful and loving of his subjects. I am King Richard, said the stranger, when he said, I said to Robin and all his fellows, I am King Richard, said the stranger, when he said this, Robin and all his company fell upon their knees before him. Stand up, my brave fellows, said the king. You have been robbers, you have now to have not have much, have been such. Oh, great is miser of my kingdom, out not be treated with false, but to persuade and dispose of his money properly. But your brave fellows, you say that you were, well, you are well inclined. You have the power and skill to do me service. I have freely grant to every one of you my pardon. Not one of you shall be called in an action for any such thing that is past. Only take care that before yourselves such a manner is present future. I shall never I will never may have reason to repent the kindness I now treat you with you the end.